Welcome to TJH, your go-to podcast for all things journeying home to yourself. I'm your host, Hayley Curtis, Gene Keys and Women's Transformation Guide, here to encourage and usher you into remembering who you are by peeling back the veil on all things shadow work, self-love, self-worth, relationships, gene keys, breakthrough, awakening, and so much more. One thing I know to be true about you is that you are utterly magnificent. And here at the Journey Home Podcast, I will be walking hand in hand with you as you discover and remember your magic. Let the voyage begin. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Journey Home Podcast. I am just bloody delighted to have Lizzie Dewey back with me. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Ailey. <laughs> Lizzie is one of my fairy crone mothers. If you have not heard from Lizzie before, you absolutely have to go back and listen to the other episodes that Lizzie has been on because she is just a well of wisdom. Her purpose, Jiki, is the Jiki of wisdom. And she is the wisest person that I know. And I am just so, so excited to be on here again with you today, Lizzie. Lizzie has come with a set of questions that have to do with her radiance, Jiki, have to do with control and authority and valor and I have no idea what the questions are but I just know that this is going to be a rich rich conversation so thank you so much for being here Lizzie how are you feeling today how's everything going I'm um it is 6 a.m for you it's it is just after 6 a.m for me um (laughs) I'm a little bit tired but Mm -hmm. I'm fine and I'm excited to be talking to you again I mean, thank you so much. 6am. That is, I mean, Lizzie's commitment to the TJH cause is next to none. So thank you so much for being here at 6am, 7pm for me, other sides of the world. But here we are together today. And I mean, let's just dive into our beautiful conversation. I'm so, I always get so excited about what Lizzie's questions are going to be because they're always just they dive into the depths of my soul, your questions. They're so, I don't know, I can't even explain it. can't put it into words. I'm so excited. I'm giddy, you know. I came here all giddy. I'm sweating. <laughs> okay. So, um, so, yeah, I'd like to ask you about the Radiance Gene Key. And as you mm-hmm. said, I'm, my Radiance Gene Key is 21.3, which mm-hmm. is the shadow of control, the gift of authority, and the city of Bala. Um, so first of all, before we dive into that, um, I, I wanted to ask you a few questions about what the Radiance Gene Key itself is. Um, mm. And then I'll ask you some about my particular um, Radiance Key. Amazing. So um, when we were first working on my Radiance Gene Key, um, you said to me that our Radiance is the quality of our consciousness that is always wishing to break through like a wave inside us. It's it's just such a beautiful vision and image that to have in your head. And I just wondered if you could maybe explain what you mean by that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Wanting to break through from inside of you. So within your DNA is a whole heap of light, so much light 
is laying hidden in our DNA or laying dormant in our DNA. And as we start facing our challenges in life with a different attitude, as we start showing up, not as if we were a victim, but as if we were looking for the juice of our life, looking for how our genius can come to the fore, this light actually starts to physically break out of our DNA and comes like a wave out into our aura. And this is really what the gene keys mean by radiance. It's literally to radiate more light. And we all have had the experience when we have been in a room with someone and you can just feel their presence. And you're like, damn, I just want to get near that person. That's their radiance. And we've all had the opposite as well. We're being in a room with someone, you can feel like, Ugh, no, thank you. Because we can be repelled um, by people's auras as well. And so it's it's really, that's what the radiance is. It's this glow and it really impacts how you make people feel. And a part of the radiance that I love is it represents your legacy. And I believe it represents our legacy because people don't remember us for what we say or what we do. They remember us for how we made them feel. And so the frequency that we are emitting from our aura is what people are going to remember. And so because of this light that we start to allow to break free from our DNA and come out into our aura, this really impacts our health, our vitality, our energy, and our sense of happiness. You know, as as you really start to embody more of your radiance, these are the moments where you suddenly go, hmm, I'm really happy right now. And it has nothing to do with my external circumstances. Like everything around you could be fucking crumbling, but you're just like, hmm, I'm feeling good. <laughs> That's radiance. And it's it's dying to break free. It wants to come out. But so many of us are holding that radiance inside by facing our challenges as if we were a victim which keeps it locked away. And so, you know, that radiance gene key, it's the third gene key in your profile. And those first two are your pathway of challenge. So your life's work and evolution, how you face the challenge of those shadows is very connected to how much access then you have to that radiance because how you face that pathway of challenge depends on that pathway of breakthrough that leads straight into that radiance gene key. Yeah, you actually answered my second question because I was going to talk about, ask you about why it is important for us to contemplate that legacy that we're leaving. Mm. Yeah, and I and mean, as is, soon as you yeah. look at that that radiance janky through the lens of legacy, you'll be like, shit, <laughs> yeah. shit. Because you'll look at that shadow and go, oh my gosh, there are, there is a scenario where that could be what I'm remembered for, yeah. right? My radiance jinky is reaction, revolution, rebirth. So I can either be remembered as being a reactionary, someone that like blew off the head and, and was very reactive in her behaviors. And as a child, I was very much that way. I don't want to be remembered for that. I want to be remembered for being a revolutionary. I want to start that revolution of self-love that Lizzie Pickles and I talked about. I want to start a revolution of women coming to know, love, and understand themselves. I want that to be my legacy. But in order for that to be my legacy, I have to do my inner work. 
otherwise reaction is going to be my legacy yeah yeah so i i i don't want to be remembered as a control freak yeah i want to be remembered as an authority yeah and it just, absolutely. It, it just changes your perspective when you mm-hmm. think of it like that totally um you you also talked about how um the shadow of our radiance is one of the most powerful internal forces mm-hmm. that can undermine our lives mm. so so why is that why is it so powerful that yeah. shadow why does it want to pull us in i think that the reason why the radiant shadow is so powerful that undermining us is because it lays in an unconscious part of us so in your activation sequence your life's work and your evolution are in the conscious parts of your life so you'd be like yeah I can see myself doing that like it's in my behavior all of the time whereas your radiance shadow you think at first glance yep I know how I do that I see how that happens yes I get that but there is a whole other ecosystem of that at play in the unconscious realms of your life. And so when it comes to the radiance, same with your purpose, you're bringing awareness to the unconscious and you start to see, holy shit, this shadow is at play so much more than I thought. And that's why it can be so powerful. If we remain um, in a lower level of self-awareness, that thing is going to be just running our lives without us really realizing that it's running our lives. Is that something that you noticed with your journey where you may have thought you saw it, but then you really saw it at those deeper layers? Oh, definitely. As I, you know, was digging into it, like both because I've, I've, I've worked with you twice on mm. this, on my activation sequence. And yeah, it's like every time I look at it, I feel like I pull back a little bit more of the curtain and I see, oh shit, yeah, there's even (laughs) more control in there. And do you know why? Because there's even more light in there, right? And that's, that's the reason why this shadow can be so powerful because the gift is so powerful. And so it's, it's equal parts as, as much as a shadow will grip you, it's just equal measure to how fucking brilliant you are in the gift, right? And that's why, because this is such a force of light in the world, the shadow is going to undermine you quite a lot, but only because of the polarity of that incredible gift that you're here to bring. Yeah. Thank you. Um, another thing that you talked about, and I didn't really, I didn't really get this the first time around the activation sequence, but I really got it when um, digging back into it in the the Destin program Mm -hmm. um, about how our radiance jinky is so deeply connected to rhythm and Mm. to our own internal rhythms Mm -hmm. and to the rhythms of the planet. And I just wondered if you could explain why that is and, Mm. and really why it's important for us to feel that connection to the rhythms of the earth and Mm. to be, you know, why do we need that in our lives? Yeah, we did a whole call on this for Destined, didn't we? Um, we did two calls around Radiance and the first one, we, it was all about the rhythms and what rhythms are at play in terms of our vitality and our well-being and coming back into rhythm. So the Radiance Gene Key is very connected to the shaman resonance, which is the frequency, the heartbeat of Gaia. And the heartbeat of Gaia 
is our natural rhythm. So all of creation is in rhythm with Gaia. And this is why it self-organizes in such a brilliant way. And every creature is in its genius. As long as it's not um, infiltrated by humans, like you watch ants, a colony of ants, and how they just are in their genius, a hive of bees, um, a pride of lions. They That is the result of them being in the shaman resonance of being in their natural flow, right? Us humans, we're the ones who are off kilter. We have forgotten our natural rhythm because of the busyness of our outer world and our fears and our amygdala and the certain parts of our, our um, what's it called? The prefrontal neocortex where we have these certain things about being more evolved as a species that we have stress and we have worry and all of these things that have put us off kilter from that shaman resonance so the radiance has a lot to do with slowing down and coming back into this resonance and it doesn't mean slowing down your outer life this doesn't mean that you have to quit your job and move to the Bahamas and just lay on the beach every day for the rest of your life even though that would be fucking lush wouldn't it However, it's about slowing down your internal rhythm, your internal rhythm. And so when we are off, when we are out of rhythm, we are off kilter. That's really the feeling of the radiance shadow, off kilter. We are like, mm, I just, ugh, I don't know quite what's wrong, but something's just not right. You're a bit too stressed. You're moving too fast from thing to thing. That's all to do with rhythm. And so this results in us being out of rhythm in so many different ways. You know, we can be out of rhythm with our sleep patterns. We're out of rhythm with our food consumption. You know, being in rhythm with food consumption looks like eating seasonally and, you know, moving in the harmonies of the seasons with our food. It it looks like being in rhythm with the sun. It looks like being in rhythm with winter and summer just like all of nature does. But we as humans have this thing where we think we need to be in summer all of the time. We think we need to be on all of the time. And as a result, we are massively off kilter. And so this internal slowing down, which can really only be done by the inner work, brings us back into harmony with that resonance. (sighs) We can breathe again. We start to breathe with Gaia instead of just being so out of, you know, so many of us are breathing <laughs> in the top of our chest cavity. And we, as we slow down, we remember to breathe deep into our bellies. And as we do that, you start facing adversity in a very different way. You start facing challenge in a very different way. And you start seeing life through a different set of eyes You start having access to um, like magnetism and manifestation and you start having access to a lot of wisdom, right, as we really start to slow down. And so, yeah, there's so many different ways in which that rhythm plays out, but um, that's a little taster for everyone. I I think that 
what you said there about we as humans feel like we it has to be summer all the time we have mm -hmm. to be on it all the time and I know that that is definitely something that I'm aware of in my life that I always yeah. feel like I have to be on it all the time and going all the time and that if I am taking the time that I need to rest and rejuvenate then I feel guilty for doing that and that's something that I'm learning through digging even deeper into my gene keys and the, and the work that I'm doing with you that the inner work is happening all the time and that rest is happening all the time even when life is even when I'm doing life, mm -hmm. I'm still, because I'm I'm more aware of contemplation now mm -hmm. and that it's not, it's completely changed how I do the inner work because it used to be, I you know, I've always been really dedicated to, to doing my journaling. So it would be journaling in the morning and that would be my focus. I'm doing my, I'm doing the work. And then the rest of the time is like, I'm doing life and I'm doing life at 100 miles an hour. But now I feel like, yeah, I've still got my devotion to my journaling in the morning, but I'm carrying it through the day into those mm -hmm. moments of, of pause and, and contemplation and just, yeah, just stopping and smelling the roses, you know. Yeah, and just, yeah watching the birds and yeah yeah totally it's about integrating the inner work into your life instead of compartmentalizing it because otherwise what's the point <laughs> what's the um, point of I doing know. the inner work unless it's actually yeah shifting the way we show up in our everyday mundane life you know and definitely doesn't mean that we suddenly you know, obviously you and I, we talk about, oh my gosh, now I notice the birds and and I see the butterflies and I notice, you know, the sun beaming through. It's not like suddenly we're taking time out of our day to do that. That was happening anyway, <laughs> right? That was happening anyway. We just didn't see it before. And so it's not about bringing more of this suddenly I'm just like a bird watcher. I'm the same person living the same life, but I'm just seeing the magic while I'm living it exactly yeah 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 um okay so um just start digging a bit into my uh radiance gene key 21 yes. so um the shadow of control uh, yeah. so i remember when, when i saw my profile for the first time and i i remember telling you this i just thought shit <laughs> control would have to be in there because I feel like my life um I've swung between being the controlled to being the controller you know being uber controlling of myself of my life of mm -hmm. you know my environment um so we could actually literally talk about this jinky for lots and lots of episodes <laughs> yeah. um, but first of all I just I, I would like to look at the dilemma of my shadow mm. um but first of all just before we dig into that if you could just explain about the role that the dilemmas play in the gene keys because you know people are probably listening to your podcast and they're getting used to you talking about mm. shadows and gifts and cities but the dilemma is a really important part it's a really important piece of each of them so could you just explain a little bit about the dilemma 
Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So in the 64 Ways audios by Richard Rudd, so you have the Gene Keys book where he has written each of the Gene Keys, and then you have the 64 Ways where he has recorded a contemplation on each of the Gene Keys, which is different from the book. And we really take both of them and look at it together to form a really beautiful picture to get us started with digging into a Gene Key. And each of those audios, he shares a dilemma about the shadow and the dilemma is really the driving force behind what creates this shadow pattern in our lives. It's like, for example, uh, Jinky number two, which is my life's work, it's the shadow of dislocation, but the dilemma is agenda. So when you have an agenda, you become dislocated right or for example jinky 45 it's the shadow of dominance and the dilemma of insecurity so it's really insecurity that creates dominance and so with jinky 21 we've got the shadow of control but the dilemma of discipline which i'm sure that's what you're going to ask me about here so yeah the dilemmas i find them fantastic because they're so practical and I love using the dilemmas to really get into journaling and contemplation. Like that, for me, my life's work dilemma of agenda, I mean, I still write about that at least, I don't know, three, four times a week. (laughs) And it's this part of my language where I'm always on the lookout for agenda, which then helps me to locate my dislocation. Um, you know, because I find it hard to locate because it's just bloody location. (laughs) So yeah, the, the, um, the dilemmas are so helpful, so helpful. Yeah, yeah. The because as you said, the the dilemma in twenty one is discipline, mm. and and you had asked me, you know, you know, it's about can I stay in control of myself? And you said to me, you need enough discipline to keep from becoming a victim of something or someone outside of myself. But on the other hand, if I have too much discipline, um, that can create rebellion and resistance inside me in Mm -hmm. my environment. Mm -hmm. And you and you asked me to look at my relationship. You know, what what was my relationship to discipline like? And that uncovered such a lot for me. Mm. And and I still look at that. Um, So I just I I just like to know. what is your relationship to discipline like? I know that, I, I don't know, do you have 21 in your profile? I don't have 21. Um, however, I have had such a love-hate relationship with discipline my whole life. Discipline is something that I have always struggled with. And so I definitely resonate a lot with this Jinky 21. And you know, the way that I put this dilemma of discipline, I say it's sort of, it's the gene key of all or nothing, right? Because this is what the dilemma of discipline will do. It will go, all right, it hurts too much to be who I am. So I'm going to do all of these things to change it, right? Let's use, um, let's use diet as an example, because this is a way that a lot of women all or nothing in their lives, right? So past life Haley, before she remembered that she loves herself would get to this place where I would be like ah 
I hate the way I feel. I hate the way I look. So I am going to go on this diet plan and I'm going, this is how I'm going to eat. And I would go all in and I'd be super disciplined, crazy disciplined. And then because I was being so disciplined and it was rooted in self, in self-loathing, it would start to feel like shit and I'd hate it. And so then I'd be like, well, fuck this. I'm going to throw it out. And then I'm on the other end, I am not, I'm not returning to balance. I'm going like, fuck this. And then I'm just going to eat McDonald's and eat ice cream. And I'm on that end. And then of course, guess what happens? I feel like shit again, because that's not me loving myself. And then, okay, I need to, to do this again. And so then you swing back to the hyper discipline. And this is what can happen when you hyper discipline yourself, you will swim back, you will swing back inevitably to this place of throw it all out the window. And that just really described my life prior to the inner work. Really struggled with discipline around um, my eating, around like studying or learning or um, like committing to something. Like I'd be all in on something and then I'm just like, fuck it, I'm not doing it at all. And would really struggle to find that balance point of healthy discipline. And um yeah, I think the big game changer for me in that swing was recognizing that both the swing up and the swing back were both because I didn't love myself, right? I was disciplining myself because I hated myself. And then I was throwing out the discipline because I hated myself when I was disciplining myself. And so the answer became to actually just love myself. And that's what balanced out the swing for me. Definitely, I... I... When, when you asked me about this, it was like, oh my God, yeah, I am. I'm completely all or nothing. That's the way I've lived my life. If I'm going to do something, I have to be 100% all in. And the diet thing is a really good example. And I think mm. most women certainly would would resonate with that, that, mm. you know, you, you, and you get to this point where I hate myself. I have to change this body. I hate myself. So you go, I mean, I've done it myself. Go on a really strictly calorie controlled diet, mm. you know, where mm. I deny myself everything and I'm mm. literally starving myself. Mm-hmm. And then I I end up, I hate that. And then I swing away the other way. And yeah, so mm. yeah, my weight pendulums the same way mm-hmm. my discipline pendulums like I'm all in or I'm nothing at all um it's but it's re- it's helped me so much doing like really looking at this and and working with you and working through the jinkies like my my journaling used to be another area where I was so disciplined mm. that it stopped being it wasn't just a devotion. It was a discipline. It was, you know, yeah. I have to, I have to sit down and I have to do it every single morning and I have to write three pages or I'm not doing it properly. And yeah, you know, and suck the joy that, out of I it, beat, right? Exactly. You know, and you beat yourself up if you don't do it. But now, mm. I mean, some days because look, this work is changing how I'm doing the inner work and this this idea that you know of contemplation and of bringing balance that sometimes I will start to write and then I I I pause during my journaling which is not something that I ever used to I used to think that I had to sit down and I had to just keep writing and writing and writing and now I will actually just sit back and think you know allow 
allow myself just to pause while I'm doing that. And I'm still, I'm still devoted to it. And the discipline is still there. The structure is still there. I do still sit down with my journal every morning, but I don't beat myself up if I don't write three pages. And how has that enriched enriched your experience? It's massively because Mm. I'm getting to, I'm getting to the truth much quicker because I'm not, because I'm just allowing it. I, I'm not forcing it anymore. And the breakthroughs just, they come much more naturally and and I love my journaling now. It's not just something that I feel like I have to do. Like mm-hmm. this is my this is my inner work and I have to do it. It's it's my joy to do it. Beautiful. And yeah, it's 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 shifted everything. Yeah. And um, isn't it interesting how when we're in that place still of of the battle with discipline, we fear letting go of the harsh discipline because we think, but if I'm not doing that. I'll never get what I want, right? So when you apply it to journaling, if I let go of the discipline, I'll never get the breakthroughs. But it was actually letting go of the discipline that allowed you to have the breakthroughs. And this is the thing about this dilemma, right? Yeah. And it's that what I love and and it and it comes in and it's not just my my radiance gene key, it comes in in so many of them. And I think in all of the gene keys is the balance. You know, it's not it's not about the pendulum swing of all or nothing. It's about having balance, having structure, but having flow within it. Yes. And that's yes, you know, recognizing so, that you need both. Yeah. Yeah. And that discipline doesn't need to be a bad thing. Discipline mm-hmm. is not about constriction. No. And, it's yeah, freedom it's really when you get the balance when you have balanced discipline you are free because throwing discipline out the window completely is not freedom no like because we all know we end up feeling like shit but then yeah being hyper disciplined that ain't freedom either and so you had this beautiful uh loose structure that that keeps you on this path of awakening your genius that is freedom and it's an important part of the conversation it's something that people tend to either resist discipline and they're like I don't even want to talk about it or they're like too hyper fixated on it um and so you see this a lot it's it's such an interesting janky no I know um the I mean this the shadow of control um it's uh... (laughs) <laughs> so one of the one of the sources I'm, I'm all I'm, I'm actually in it at the moment I think um one of the the tendencies is to be indecisive and be a follower and when I when I when you told me that I was like I could just see that so much in my life that you know that oh I don't know I don't know and and the indecisiveness and and the balance, getting that balance between yin and yang and mm. discipline and freedom, that is what helps me to be decisive. Mm. And that's something, I mean, we were talking before 
we started recording the podcast you know I've got this this decision that I need to make in my life and I'm oh I don't know I'm all I'm this way I'm that way um so I'd, I'd just like to ask you about how being either overly yin or overly yang can impact that decisiveness in our mm. lives oh yes yes okay so um this is one of the things that I think is one of my biggest strengths and genius is bloody decision making. And I think it has a lot to do with my balance between the yin and the yang. Um, so when you're too overly yang and you could say that that's too overly disciplined, like if we're looking at it through the lens of this gene key, that will look at everything from purely the logical. This is the pros and cons list, Right overly yang it's like okay so what will happen if I choose this one and then that one and then this okay and and what are the benefits of this and what are the things of that and it's all trying to decide through the mind and so decision making through just yang there is no intuition in it there's no considering the heart it's just all thinking from the mind and thinking through the lens of a concept of success and failure that doesn't even necessarily exist it's like these constructs, you know, like a patriarchal construct that we're trying to make these decisions through. Um, and so that can really impact. Then on the overly yin side, this is where it can struggle to ever even make a decision because it's like, <clears throat> I just, I don't know. Or it will, it just won't know or it will have a fear to not know. Um, and a fear that, but what if I decide and then I can't follow through and so I'll just not decide. And so the overly yin would be the side of this gene key that ends up being controlled. So the yang side would be the control freak. The yin side would be the controlled because it's waiting for someone to come in and tell it what to do. So then, well, if I follow what they told me what to do, I'm safe because if it was wrong, it wasn't my fault. And we can see how both ends of this spectrum relate directly to the programming partner shadow, which is the shadow of inadequacy. They're both petrified to be found out to be inadequate, right? So this is why the yang side is like, okay, I've got to like know all of the things and make all of the lists so I know that it's the right answer because I'm petrified not to be able to know. And then the yin side is like, like, I'm not capable of making a decision. So somebody has to come in and help me because I'm going to make the wrong choice because I'm not enough, right? They're both the fear of not being enough, which is what creates the control. And I find that these two gene keys, the programming partners, and I may be I may be incorrect about this. This is just my own view. With a lot of the programming partners, I see like this one can come first, which creates this one, or that one can come first, which creates that one. But with 21 and 48, I feel like 48 inadequacy always comes first, which creates the control. I don't think you're in control, which then makes you feel inadequate. I think you always feel inadequate first, which is the thing that creates the control. So that's the way you can look at it through both ends of the spectrum. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, these two just, I, I i can't believe how well they sort of mesh together and how they oh. are my life. When I started 
digging into these, it was like, oh yeah, and you're right, that that shadow of inadequacy that is in my 48, that's been the underlying thing that yeah. has either made me just go, oh, give up, let, let somebody else control me, let somebody else make all the decisions because I'm I'm rubbish and I'm useless and I can't possibly make a decision. Or to swing the other way to they have to be in charge of everything and I have to make all the decisions or they will find out that I'm inadequate. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Inadequacy definitely comes yeah. first. And and I know that I I can get when I get too structured and I'm too overly structured, then I've already made my mind up without letting, you know, without letting my intuition come in. That That is it, actually. When you said that, it was like a light bulb yeah. came on because I'm, I'm in this situation at the moment where quite a big decision in my life and mm. I am not listening to my intuition about it. In my head, I've got the pros and cons lists mm-hmm. and an inadequacy is in there all the time. Yeah. It's the fear of the unknown, right? And in order for the intuition to speak, in order for the wisdom and the resourcefulness to speak, which is where the answers are, right, and the authority of this 21, for them to speak, what is required is that you sit in the unknown. But, of course, when that control shadow kicks in, we don't allow ourselves to sit in the unknown because we're either waiting for someone to control us so that, we know you know so at least I know I just have to do what they tell me or we're trying to figure it all out we're not in the unknown in either of those and so our gift can't actually come to the foreground and our intuition is silenced by all of the noise of us trying to figure it out right (laughs) so like you can just see the whole picture painted between these two jinkies it's quite it is quite fascinating to see and even more fascinating when you actually have the penny drop with witnessing it in your own life and you go oh my god there it is you know and it's so simple it's like okay I just need to sit in the unknown and I need to know that I am safe to sit in the unknown because I can trust that the answer will arise but only when I dive into that well of the void yeah. and the unknown within me. And in order to do that, I must first let go of control. Yeah. And petrifying. About Fucking tr- petrifying. Yeah. <laughs> petrifying. But it's also, that's where you have to know that you're safe. And that was one of the big pennies that dropped for me recently was, I know that we've, we've talked about safety a lot, but mm. just knowing that I'm I'm safe. I'm yeah. I'm safe even when I'm feeling inadequate. I'm yeah. safe even when I'm feeling like I've got no control. I'm yeah. still safe because my safety is inside and it's yeah. not dependent on me controlling everything or being the best at everything. Yeah. It, I, I just am. I'm safe and yeah. bringing it all back to the heart so yes thank you You've, I, I I need to listen to my intuition on this one for sure yeah um so the other thing about um this this uh shadow of control is you talked about it being rooted in the theme of territory yes and you, you talked to me about how um 
territory comes in in loads of different levels. We've got the territory mm -hmm. of ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. my my self, my aura, and the control of that. Then the wider relationships and families, and you know, our country, the world, you know, mm -hmm. it goes out and out. And mm -hmm. um, you said that we can view all the events of our lives as aspects within that territory that we are trying to control. Mm. Well, maybe not you, but me for sure. <laughs> I'm trying to control all these different parts. <laughs> so I just wondered if you could just talk a bit more about this, this, this deep unconscious need that we as humans seem to have to control our territory. Mm. Because I think, I mean, I can really feel this because I, I, I know this jinky is in my life I can see yeah. it so clearly but I think this is a universal jinky this oh is, yeah this touches everybody so I'd just like to just for you to dig a little bit deeper into that unconscious need that everyone has yeah. for that control of territory totally and like to say that it is universal and it's collective I mean the only thing we need to look at is the fact that our world is separated into all these countries <laughs> I mean why why is our world separated into countries and then countries are separated into states and states are separated into suburbs? They're all separated down into these little bits of territory with someone that is looking to control that piece, right? So we have uh, leaders of countries who are rising to lead a whole country and be in control of that territory. Then we have like politicians and um you know leaders in communities and like school principals like that's my territory this is my school and I'm in charge of this like we see it on on all levels of society and then even think about a person with their house and their piece of land and how like this is my land and like don't you yeah. step on my land type thing like the neighbor's trees growing over you better snip that tree off. It's coming into my land. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that and have an owning land. Like I do not think that we should all just share land and uh, maybe sometime in the future, I'm not interested in that way of life just yet. I would like to have my own piece of land, but it's it's this, the question isn't around like, should we own land or not? The question is like, what is the driving force from a shadow frequency that can cause us to want to do that? And why do we want to do that? You know, even looking at the fact that we have this unconscious belief sometimes, and sometimes it's very conscious, we think that in order to feel worthy and successful, I need to own a home, yeah. right? Like a lot of people think if I don't own a home by 30, which I don't, 34 this year, I don't own a home, that could be seen as a failure. And this is all to do with this idea of territory and control because if I just got my stuff, well, and I can be in charge of my stuff, I'll be safe. It's all yeah. about safety because as long as I'm in control of my territory, I'm okay. And again, this is all just rooted in the inadequacy. And so as we let go of this idea around inadequacy and we start to, we start to loosen around those territories and we're not making them mean something about our worth anymore. And this yeah. is where people, um, this is where we can get unhealthy dynamics within families. Because that's another territory, right? You've got yourself, your aura, then you would have a, a, a relationship, you'd have a family. And so there's that family. And if the one of the parents is overly controlling, 
they're going to like really be trying to control that territory and the lives of the people within that family. And then chances are that one of the other people will be very submissive and controlled. We can see it all playing out. And this is really just happening on bigger scales as you go further and further out in terms of territories. It's the same story, just on a bigger scale. And it all starts within us about how we feel on the inside about our inadequacy and our need for control. And then it will manifest all around us like it is everywhere we bloody look. It's fascinating. Yes, I, I, I find it so interesting when I started digging into this and realising that, yeah, I mean, I, I understand the territory of myself, but then realising how much I was, I have all my life tried to be controlling like my physical environment, my home, mm. And then, but those intangible things as well, like the finances, the control of finances. And one of the mind-blowing things for me was realising how much I try to control time. Mm. I have this real need to control time as if as if it's a territory that I can put fences around and, mm. you know. And just seeing that, seeing how I have to bring that balance to all those parts of my life they're they are all just territories I'm trying to control and I can't control time I can't put a fence around time I have to I can have structure but I can't control it mm-hmm. and no wonder we're all so letting, bloody stressed I know and so tired all the time because we're just trying to grab onto everything all yeah. the time yeah thinking we'll lose any sense of security or safety if we slip up Exactly. It's that it's that fear, isn't it? That, you know, just one little slip and it'll it'll all we'll lose control of everything. You know, it'll all untangle and we won't be able to pull it all back in again. Yeah. And the thing that that. we're petrified of is it's manifesting as controlling our environment. But the thing we're petrified of is that if that plate isn't in its right place, my the the how inadequate I feel on the inside, which I'm hiding from controlling my external environment, it's going to crack open and it's going to spill out and I'm going to be seen for the inadequate person that I've been trying to hide. Like that's really what's underneath it, right? That's really what's going on. It's got nothing to do with controlling our external environment, really. It's just the way we're manifesting it, trying to hide and, you know, these, these these two gene keys are a gene key that will often experience imposter syndrome yes. because it's putting on a front out of this fear being like, mm. I can't let you in behind my control, otherwise my whole, everything's going to fall apart. I can't let you see the truth. But you're hiding from your own truth, which is that you are completely worthy and that you are full of wisdom. And so... It's as you actually let it fall apart, you go, oh, I was actually safe after all. (laughs) And that's when you find out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So another really um, interesting part of of this Jinky 21 is how it creates this notion of hierarchy, which, again, is about control, Um, those who control and those who are controlled. And um, how we, no matter which part of our lives we look at, 
we we are seeing people, whether we're thinking it consciously or not, we're seeing people on this hierarchical ladder, you know, mm. where, you know, I'm I'm above them, but I'm below them. And I know from working with you um, that this hierarchical model is one that you are actively shifting away from in mm-hmm. your personal and especially in your business life. It's, it's very mm-hmm. apparent how you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um it's apparent to me because I'm I'm seeing You're part the, of it, baby. The, behind the scenes. So could you just um explain how you're doing that, how you are moving away from that hierarchical um mm. system and mm. and how you're moving towards synarchy and maybe just tell us what that synarchy means to you? Yeah. Oh, what a delicious question. You know, this all really began for me when I'd started my road of inner work and I was noticing how anxious I was going to work, going to to school where I was a teacher. I was like, why the fuck am I so anxious? And I realized, oh my gosh, it's this notion of hierarchy. Because I, and I was so scared of my principal and I was, you know, I was afraid of the team leader. Because then in a school, you've got a principal, deputy principal, you've got team leaders, you've got um, heads of department, you've got teachers that are like, you know, you've got the, all the pay grades of teachers and then you've got student teachers and then you've got bloody EAs and then you've got students. Like the hierarchy is insane in education. And really it's a place we get set up for the hierarchy that then, you know, we go into, you go and work in corporate. It's just another school, really. <laughs> it's the same kind of system. And so I realized that it was this idea of me putting myself on this ladder that I was feeling so anxious at work. And I didn't feel confident enough to go knock on the principal's door to ask for advice or to speak up if I actually had a really good idea. But I was like, oh, no, I've got no right to share an idea because I'm only, you know, a few years into my career. What do I know? And so I really started playing with this way back then and and started seeing huge shifts in the way that I was feeling in the workplace and massive shifts in the way that I was bringing more of my magic and receiving more of other people's magic. Because also what I had done, the people I'd put myself above, I was disregarding their magic, thinking like, oh, well, it's they can't do anything for me because I'm up here. And I really shifted my whole experience of my job without anybody else shifting around me. And that was a very important thing for me to realize because sometimes when we recognize the stuff about hierarchy, then we just become a victim to hierarchy because we're like, well, everybody else is subscribing to hierarchy. So I can't thrive here. Nobody else was part of this conversation. This was just a little experiment that I was doing and I shifted my experience. So when I came to the Gene Keys and I found this this concept of hierarchy woven throughout so many of the keys, 45, which I've already mentioned, dominance, synergy, that also massively is about hierarchy. Um, I was like, oh, my God. I've been on this journey. I fucking love this shit. Um, so with hierarchy, the way that it shifts in terms of the gene keys is it shifts to heterarchy. This is a higher expression. And it's where you take the ladder where people are above and people are below and you put it on its side. And we're just a whole bunch of people with genius because that's what we are. 
as humans. Yes, some are naturally leader types. I'm a leader type person. Doesn't mean that I am more valuable. Doesn't mean that I have more genius. Just leadership is part of my genius. Whereas other people, you know, have, you have a genius for this deep wisdom and poetic way of looking at things. Like Megan has like this genius for artistic expression and the mystical and like Debbie has a genius for motherhood and nurturing. Like we all have these geniuses. So in heterarchy, that is celebrated. And there is so much trust as you trust in other people's genius and people naturally self-organize to make things wonderful instead of forcing people to fit into roles to do certain things people can thrive in this kind of environment and so I had been doing the internal shift where I was just unsubscribing for many years but now as a business owner I very have actively been bringing that into the way in which I do business and one of the ways that I have been so grateful to have done that is with restructuring my membership to not only be me, where it was just I was in there as a guide making all the content, doing all the stuff. And now it's me, it's you, it's Megan, it's Debbie, where we are all coming together to create the content. However, what you do doesn't have to flow through me. So it's not like I'm at the top of the journey home and Lizzie's like, okay, I want to do this. And then she has to come, you have to come and ask me. There's just this trust in genius. And I'm just like, you have your space and you fucking go for it. And so we work in this beautiful synergy where we trust each other's genius. And as a result, magic happens, right? And so like we can come together, like at the end of last month, we came together and we're like, oh, this thing about self-love, it's February, like, oh, do we have ideas? And everyone's ideas started rising and all of a sudden we had mapped out this month, not because I was at the top with an idea and I delegated all of this stuff, but because we all just shared what was on our heart and together we made something fucking beautiful, right? I know, and it grew into something much bigger than we even talked about when mm -hmm. we had that that planning session. Yeah, because that you know when you had said to me about you could do a a self love quote and a little bit of a contemplation every day, so I was really into doing that because I love that sort of thing. But then that fired you off into doing that whole month of self love course with yep. your audio contemplations, which is just it just grew into this whole thing that we never we didn't plan that it no. just naturally evolved into that yeah and, we bounced off each other's genius yeah right and the feedback from the women in the journey home oh. to to both parts of that has just been amazing and it's just yeah. been mind-blowing for me to oh. see you know because there you know that I, I feel like the the comments that the other women in the journey home have made on on the things that you and I have posted have been just as important as the things that we've mm -hmm. that we've posted in the first place because it's mm -hmm. kind of you know we've planted a seed and it just grew and grew and grew and it's just it's just lovely absolutely you know I see the journey home as a place that women come to see their genius rise 
And a place where your genius is going to rise has to be a place of synergy. You know, I think like one of the first things um, that I said on my original welcome video to the journey home, I've got a new welcome video now, but this was, you know, over a year and a half ago. One of the first things I said was, I please don't come in and see me as being above you here or like I have it all figured out or that I'm some kind of guru. I'm just another chick walking the journey, you know? We're all just walking the journey together. And I think there's something really special about that. But I still show up in leadership roles. But my hope is that it's not in a arrogant leadership way, but more in like a heart-led leadership way where synergy and other people's genius is always my priority, you know, And I like to think of it in terms of that. So if I see, if I have an idea, I'm like, ooh, whose genius would that fit with? You know, or even if I'm needing help with something, it's not like I just have one person that I go to that's my person that I go to for help. I'm like, "Mm, whose genius does that question fit with so that then we can bounce off and create a synergistic thing as we're moving together? right? It's so different when you see people, not just for a role that they play, but for the genius that they hold. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I loved it when I was, it started digging into this and realizing how much of my life I had lived on that hierarchical ladder of, of, of this is my place, you know, Mm. and, and, and I can't possibly aspire to being up there. But the more I've done this work and seeing more clearly that, you know, we're of value for what we are, mm-hmm. not for what we have or or necessarily what we do, but what we are. We're, you know, mm-hmm. what we're, there's no, there's, there is no competition when you're coming at it from love. And that, mm-hmm. it, that was one of my major breakthroughs when I was working on my, my radiance key is that when you measure value with love there's no need for a hierarchy totally because we're all just humans we're all just humans and we're all just everyone is is love you know we're all and we're all capable of immense love yeah so yes. there is no hierarchy absolutely and i love Some... that image that so i was just going to say that image yeah. that you i i, I of the ladder of like when you said that to me of the ladder lying on its side mm. I was that just blew my mind when I got yeah. I had that vision because I'm quite a visual person when you when you you talk to me and you you know you you do your guided visualization I'm very visual and I mm. could see that it was suddenly so clear that mm. that's the only way yeah to go because love doesn't love hasn't got any ladders absolutely love's got bridges it does yes I love that and as long as we're on the ladder we're in the game of inadequacy because if if there is someone that's better and someone that's less than that that means the same for you even if you're at the top that is still you'll still feel inadequate because well but I could lose that spot at any time You know, what if, and someone, you know, and as long as you think that you're better than someone, well, that means that 
someone needs to be better than you as well and we're looking at worth this is the issue with hierarchy we attach it to our worth yeah right and even in 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 hierarchy there is still like there's always going to be hierarchy because there is going to be levels of leadership and this sort of stuff. There is CEOs, there is leaders. Like I am the owner of TJH. So there is a hierarchy. It's more about not subscribing to that, meaning anything about your worth and not meaning anything about the access that you have to your genius. You know, the person that's just doing the coffee runs and like getting the room ready that can be just as much in their genius as the CEO that comes in. And they can be just as much in their fulfillment as the CEO. But hierarchy, you would feel like, oh, well, I could never. I'm just a shit kicker. I'm not worth anything. It was just the hierarchy that was making you think that. So it's a completely different way to look at life. Imagine if countries were run like that. Wouldn't it be amazing? (laughs) Man, it'd be, sh- it'll be a way. shit show to start with, but it would self-organise yeah. in the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we've we've talked a lot about the shadow of Jinky mm. 21, but I'd love to talk about the gift because mm, I it's delicious. Am, I mean, I was uh I was so like, uh, oh no, when I first saw this jinky, you know, that I just could see the control and uh but now I'm, I'm totally in love with this jinky. I oh, absolutely love this jinky. It's such a good um, one. So you you said to me that um, one of the first signs that my radiance would be breaking through would be that I would naturally begin to slow down inside myself mm-hmm. um, and in my daily life and become more contemplative, which I have. I mean, we've already talked about that. Um, but... Could you talk a bit about how what it looks like for you to truly slow down inside yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I guess like and through the lens of my radiance, I'm a 49, 49.1 reaction, revolution, rebirth. Um, revolution doesn't sound very slow, does it? It it sounds no. like whoa, like we're doing shit, but the, the revolution, to slow down is a revolution, right? To me, revolution is to do it differently, to take what's not working and what's bringing me down, bring some beautiful loving awareness to that and be willing to shift it even though it will feel so uncomfortable. And that's a lot what slowing down looked like for me. It was a revolution, how many people told me I was wrong for slowing down? You know, um, I know mum listens to the podcast. Sorry, mum. But mum would like, um, like when I went to, wanted to quit my job or even take a day off sick. <gasps> you can't like, what will, they'll think that you're unreliable. They'll think you're this, they'll think you're that. And I'm like, mm. No, that's part of the revolution, the revolution of self-love, being aligned one, very about me, introspective, like it's a revolution of how am I showing up for me? And so, yeah, like that period of learning to slow down was a full revolution in itself where I had to really come up against the norm and be okay to do 
the opposite and um to let go of the thoughts of that people were going to judge me and to let go of the guilt and the shame you know I used to um even now even now that I run a successful business and I have lots on I still accommodate for myself in my life so like a day in the life for me sometimes I don't feel like I do that much even though I do and I used to feel bad when someone would ask me oh so like what have you been up to? You know, when someone asks you, like, oh, how's work been or how's your week been? The normal answer is, oh, my God, it's been so busy. Oh, my gosh, I've had so much on. Oh, my gosh, it's been so stressful. Like we wear that like a badge of honor, like how busy can we be? You know, and that was definitely the culture of teaching. It was like who can be the busiest? Who can be the most stressed out? Who can be breaking the most boundaries of their own self-care? You know, like who can earn that badge of honor? And yeah, I felt very uncomfortable for a long while with that question because I was scared to be like, well, you're doing nothing, <laughs> you know, and I spent a long time where I was doing nothing. But now, I mean, for a good couple of years now, when people ask me that question, I'm like, oh, you know, I've just been, I've been resting. I've just been loving myself. I've been going for beautiful walks and, you know, loving my work. And people are like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like my answer to that question is revolutionary. But that has been because of I started a revolution in myself that it's okay to slow down and the revolution of it's okay to live a slower pace and be passionate and have beautiful clients and earn money for what I do without it needing to be like this nonstop stressful I'm so busy I don't have the time it doesn't have to look like that for me and so I yeah I was done I was done oh I was was just going to say that one of the the ways you described it to me was as being more settled inside your skin and Mm. that was and that is it. It is that it's that being settled and being okay to just be me and to come to try to to come from a place of self-love rather than self-loathing. Yeah. And just for my choices to come from that place rather than from that external doing all the things place. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like I would really encourage all the listeners to think about that when someone asks you how your week's been or how work's been and notice how natural it is sometimes to want to answer like, oh, it's been so busy. And like what might it look like for that answer to become something different? And I think we hold a lot of shame around that answer being different because if I'm not super busy like everybody else and Am I, like, is that bad of me? Am I wrong for not being crazy busy? Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, settling in your own skin. I'm so glad that you said that because something that I had to settle into in my own skin was the fact that I have chronic fatigue and I have chronic pain. And so why, why force myself to live a hectically busy life when I actually don't need to? 
It's crazy. We actually don't need to. And and like I was saying to you, I think it was this morning on Boxer or yesterday, you could have a very outwardly busy life yet still have calm and be moving at a slow pace internally. Like yeah. You can be doing so much stuff in your life, especially if you've got line threes like you do, you know, line yeah. twos as well, like, and certain gene keys that are very action-based gene keys, you could be doing lots of stuff. You could be working 12-hour days, yet still be internally slowing down while you do it and have a completely different experience while you do all the things that you love, you know? So it's different yeah. for every person. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that, that landed when I was thinking about being more settled in my own skin is that acceptance that I am 60 you know and, yeah. and I don't be running around like I did when I was in my 20s and my 30s and doing all the stuff because part of being older is being able to just settle and just be okay with being still and with a day you know a successful day doesn't need to be about all the things I did. A successful yeah. day is about the way I felt. And, and a successful day can, can be that I just took it easy and I was, uh, that I was kind and gentle to myself. Yeah. And that's just as important as all the external achievements yeah. that I might have. I so, love that yeah. so much. Amazing. This episode was filled with so much juice that I decided to make it a two-parter. So next week, please come back for part two, where Lizzie and I dive into the gift of this Gene Key 21, the gift of authority, and we talk about what it means to be the author of your life and so much other good stuff. Oh, part two. You're not going to want to miss it. I'll speak to you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is such an honor to bring my heart directly to your ears. The TJH podcast is in her early days. So if you could take a quick moment to leave a rating on Spotify or write a review on Apple Podcasts, I would be extremely grateful. And if you enjoyed the episode, I encourage you to share it with a friend to help spread the Journey Home message far and wide across the globe. I deeply appreciate you and I will chat to you again very soon.